down by 14 points in the fourth or third quarter. Your Phoenix Suns stormed back and beat the Philadelphia 76ers on the road, finished the road trip 3-1, and one, have the best record in the NBA, have the best road record in the NBA, and still have no respect from the media. Matthew, how you doing tonight, my friend? Great. This was an actual close game. Unlike last game, where it looked close, it wasn't close. Tonight was a real game that was close. So this this fun. was an entertaining one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it could have went either way, really, tonight with either the Sixers pulling it out or the Suns. If it's a seven game series in the finals, it'll be exactly like this every game. Yeah. Oh man, that would be a, that'd be a great series. Uh, so I'm, you know, watching the game on my computer, watching the Bally Sports Arizona <laughs> feed. I assume that's what you're watching, yeah. right? Yep. And I have my TV on in my hotel room and it has the Boston versus Brooklyn game. And like that game started 14, nothing Boston. Right. And it's currently one Oh two to 78. So they actually cut away from that game and they were showing the end of the sun's game. And I thought this was great. So one, it was ahead of the sun's game on my computer streaming. It always allows it to take a little bit more time, but two, you get to hear the in-studio crowd to include Shaq talking about the end of this game. And I was like, okay, let's, this is this is cool, man. I mean, you know that they're probably root for Philly to come through to to down the sun, so they could sit there and Shaq could be like, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm fucking Joel Embiid, he's back, man." man. Uh, and again, just like kind of no respect for the Suns, even in that capacity. They're sitting there, they're getting they're getting their record wrong. They're saying the Suns are enter the game on a two game losing streak. I'm like, you guys can't even like, how do you not know this <laughs> national media? Serious? Yeah. They're like wow. they they they, they wow. lost to the Hawks. They're on a two game losing streak. I'm like, <laughs> how do you not know anything about the best team in the NBA? Yeah. Ridiculous, man. I guess those two games in between are in purgatory. I don't know what happened to them, but they're not here. Well, apparently right? that uh, you that played the Hawks and then the Wizards and <laughs> and then the Bulls. Those are start they're not there anymore. We must have lost to the Hawks twice, according to TNT. I don't know. It's just again <laughs> the the disrespect that continues for the Phoenix Suns sometimes is comical, and that's that's why I bring it up here on uh, as we open this show because we know and we respect this team for who they are and what they have accomplished. Because this is not an easy team to beat a hot Philadelphia 76ers team on the second night of a back-to-back on the last game of a four-game road trip. And the Phoenix Suns go into Philly, overcome that 14-point deficit, and ultimately win the game. Yeah, it's it's crazy you brought up Shaq, too, because the respect isn't really there, even on his podcast. So I wanted to bring that up, too, today, where you kind of called him just like, they can get punked. They don't have anybody that can scare you. But I don't know. I got a few Jay Crowder, last, man. Bro. Yeah, how does that guy not scare you? Almost yeah. every team, every guy on this team, I feel like would scare me on the on the opposing side. Because well, you know, before... when you got to beat in the game, and when Embiid has to come out, who's going to help them out? Yeah, that's, that's that's all they have. That's all they have to really carry them to a victory. Yeah, it's not it's not Seth Curry, you know, the guy who was mm-hmm. absent tonight, and you know, ended with a total of what two points, three points. Yeah. he was one yeah. for nine from the field. So, I mean, before we go into the drop and remind everybody about the podcast. Do we want to talk with the Shaq about the Shaq conversation? Because I don't know when we'll circle back to that, or should we circle back to that? You tell me. Uh, just a quick, yeah. I, I mean, I, I want to hear about say, this. Okay, so on his podcast, he was they were basically talking about the Suns. There was a lady on there that's on the podcast. I never watched. It's called like the Big Podcast or something stupid like that. But he was talking about how the Suns can be punked 
and that there's no one on the team that can scare you if you're playing on, on the opposing team, which, you know, I guess it kind of makes sense. Maybe there's not a guy that can scare you, but when Chris Paul and Devin Booker won't miss towards the end of the game, that's pretty scary. Uh, of course, they don't have a player like Joel Embiid, which you saw tonight, that can just like take anybody off the dribble and just dunk on their ass. But there, there's not a guy really in the NBA or in the Suns team that might be scary like a beast. Maybe that should have been Aiton. That's probably what we thought Aiton might be. But how efficient this team is is very, very scary. He just thinks that they're like a Utah Jazz team. And it's just so weird because the Jazz never went to the finals. The Suns went to the finals. They should have won it. And they played against a guy who's very, very scary in Giannis. Giannis... Um, I mean, who else is really scary? LeBron James, Anthony Davis, those guys are super scary, but it's very seldom to have those kind of guys on your team. The, the Suns yeah. as a team are as scary as, as as a whole. So still, it's just so weird to have Shaq, a guy who loves DeAndre Ayton, still say like they, they're, a, they're a Utah Jazz team. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, I don't get that either. You know, because one, you, you don't always need a scary guy on the opposite side. And, and scary, obviously, I took miss mistook how you were referencing that earlier by scary i thought you meant like a guy who you're afraid is going to kick the shit out of you so i went eh, jay crowder he's a scary guy oh, okay, you okay. mean like a cold-blooded killer and the Suns, as you mentioned yeah. it's like it, it, it's it's getting sliced up in so many different ways that you don't need one guy to do it it's the team overall that's going to do it to you you know yeah Giannis did it last year and you know i guess lebron and anthony davis did it the year before and you know, I guess Kawhi Leonard the year before, so maybe he's coming from that area. But at the same time, I, I don't, I don't understand how you could look at this Phoenix Suns team and see the way that Devin Booker and Chris Paul execute in the fourth quarter in clutch time, which they did again tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers, and say that that's not quote unquote scary, right? Mm -hmm. I know that's what I'm. It's it's a different kind of club. I don't know what he's looking for. He. It just doesn't make sense. Some of these guys just can't get over the hill with the Suns. They just they stay on top, or they're almost over the top, and then they just like, no, I can't do it yet. Unless they win the finals, even then, still probably no respect for these guys. Is crazy. I know, right? And and but, this year you whatever. can't say anything about shortened seasons or anything like that. And you're right too. Yeah. They've been to the finals, Utah. I can get the Utah narrative because Utah for the past four years has been a quality upper echelon Western conference team. They've been a top four seed for the past four years and they've never yeah. broken on through. So we've seen these kind of teams throughout the, the history of the NBA who are really, really good and just can't break through the, the Atlanta Hawks during the Jordan era shit, any Eastern conference team during the Jordan era couldn't break through, but the Phoenix Suns have broken through into an NBA finals in their first playoff run. And now they're a prime team in the second year. I just, again, Shaq, we love you Shaq this for the, Shitty year and a half we had you here, or however long you were here. We hate you because Sean Marion had to leave because of you. But you're wrong, bro. You're wrong, bro. You're definitely wrong. So, anyways, uh, a nice little rant to begin this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. We thank you, the Jamsters, for joining us, whether you're watching along live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. If you are on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button down below. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell notification. If you happen to be listening to the podcast wherever you are listening, please subscribe, rate, review. If it's on Spotify, give us a five star. If you're on Apple, give us five stars and write a review. We'll read it right here on the podcast. You can follow the show on Twitter at Suns Jam. You can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew. And you can read all of our material at brightsideofthesun.com. Matthew, what are you pounding down tonight? Another Chick-fil-A uh, diet 
Dr. Pepper or whatever the fuck. No, just a cup of water tonight, John. Sorry, I've been slacking this week. I got you, homie. I got more you of got that me? num-num juice. <laughs> oh, very nice, man. Did you get a six-pack so, or did you get a couple for I got a, I got a four-pack. Oh, four-pack, okay. It yeah, looks so, like a four-pack bottle. It does. It's can. one of these big yeah. cans. So mm-hmm. it's, again, Fall River Brewing here in uh, Redding, Cal- uh, California. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's where I'm at. Num-num juice is the name of it. So we're going to pop them if you got them, Suns fans. Let's talk about what is this? Our forty-fourth victory of the season, forty-four and ten, Phoenix Suns, baby. The final score tonight, 114 to 109, Phoenix Suns overcoming, as I mentioned, a 14-point deficit and a 10-0 run by the Philadelphia Philadelphia 76ers as they opened the third quarter. But that's not what I want to talk about first. No, Matthew. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I've got to ask. Is it a crime? The Cameron Johnson is not in the three-point contest. Oh my Let's gosh. Go. Yes. Luke Kennard's got in over Cameron Johnson. Like I thought it was for sure Cam was going to get in just because of the podcast you listen to uh the Ringer podcast. They all say Cameron Johnson's a sh- a shoe in for it. And also the No Dunks podcast talk about it almost all the time how Cameron Johnson's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. He is, and he should be in the contest. I thought it was automatic. I was just waiting for the news to release, but it's crazy how he missed it. It's something where I wanted him to get in this year as a three-point guy, and then next year he can be an all-star, right? That's that's the steps that Booker took. Yeah, I agree. That's the, that's the <laughs> natural progression of things. Yeah, I mean, so Cameron Johnson entering tonight, 43.6% from beyond the arc. That is second best in the league behind only P.J. Tucker. Uh, oddly enough, former son who's shooting 46.9%. He must, they must be all wide open in the corner threes yep, for PJ, you know, but you look at who does make it. As you mentioned, Luke Kennard, Zach Levine will be there. Desmond Bain recently traded now Pelican, CJ McCollum, Patty Mills, Fred Van Vliet, Trey Young, and Carl Anthony Towns. So it's definitely a, a good representation of three pointers there but how do you not have cam johnson so you mean to tell me the best team in the nba entering the all-star break and we're what two or three games away from the all-star break we're like a little over a week from the last game but prior to the all-star break the best team in the nba currently has no one in the three-point contest no one in the duck contest no one in the skills challenge and no one starting in the all-star game that's cool that's cool it's crazy. I thought maybe they would just get guys in there that their team does not have someone in the all-star game, but of course you have um, Trey Young that's in there and then Carl Anthony Towns is starting in there and uh, Fred Van Vliet, who's an all-star. Zach Levine, did he make it this year to the all-star game? I, I, believe, I, think so. as, I, be- I believe so. Yes, as, oh, he, he, he did as a reserve. Okay, yeah, so you had those guys. So I was thinking, oh, maybe they just picked players you know, that didn't have a player from their team, mm-hmm. but 
It's not even true. Um, but my guy, though, I'm kind of excited because Desmond Bain's in it. I love Desmond Bain. I think he's my winner. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you who you think's gonna win. Um, uh, because every time I watch Memphis, Bain never misses. He never misses from three. I know he's missed against the Suns, but I feel like anytime I watch him on TV, other than when he plays against the Suns, he makes every freaking three. So I wasn't surprised to see him, and he's my winner going into the uh, contest. Yeah, I mean Desmond Bain, definitely a solid talent. Uh a guy that when we were doing a lot of our draft prep for the 2020 NBA draft, we definitely liked him. Uh, I, I'm going to enjoy watching him in there. Uh, I'm going to enjoy watching Trey Young suck at it because uh, I really think that it's not a good format. <laughs> yeah. for Because like the three-point contest, the way that it is catch-and-shoot style, mm-hmm. coming off a rack, that's like perfect for Cameron Johnson. His form is so solid to square up, whereas, you know, Trey Young, he almost it, he needs to move his shit like back, and he's got more of a push shot, and he pushes, and his momentum takes him forward. Watch the way he shoots, so he doesn't land where he shoots. So it's going to be hard for him, I feel like, in this contest to be successful. Uh, but if I was to take a look at all these guys, I'm going to go with Patty Mills, I think, okay. that, or or Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard's a lot like Cameron Johnson when it comes to form, uh, but I'm going Patty Mills or Luke Kennard. But still, it's a it's a it's a travesty that Cam mm-hmm. Johnson doesn't get the recognition for what he's doing right now. It's just, it's just a pure travesty. It really is. And I don't want to hear, you know, well, he's not a starter, you know, because Patty Mills hasn't always been a starter. You know, it's not about volume. It's about percentage. And he, and again, this is the best team in the NBA. You should reward them for their efforts. And that's what the All-Star is about. That's what All-Star Weekend's about, right? The best part about All-Star Weekend is these little contests plus the game become a snapshot in time. I mean, you go back to when the Atlanta Hawks had that team where I think like, was it all five starters got mm-hmm. named or, or four of the five starters were named to the all-star game. It was a snapshot in time of how dominant Atlanta was at during that season. And you go back and you watch NBA all-star games in the two thousands, in the nineties, in the eighties, it's a snapshot of who the best players were up to that point of the season in those eras. And you could watch the old three point contest. You could watch the old slam dunk contest. And especially in the three point contest, it's like, Cam Johnson's being erased, not from this one, but from the memory of people 10 years down the line when they look at that lineup and they go, oh, Cam Johnson either won it or so-and-so won it. Let's look at who the participants were. You're like, oh, damn, so-and-so was in there. And it could have been Cam Johnson. That's what pisses me off. It doesn't give him an opportunity to reward him for what he's been doing this season. Exactly. And I think the whole Trey Young thing and how he's going to really struggle in this, it kind of makes sense because I feel like Trey Young would really do good, would really prosper in this um, contest if he were to get the ball, like just roll towards him, towards his ankles, and he had to pick it up and they're just rolled in different ways and he has to go grab him and throw him up. I think he would pretty yeah. much make 90% of those balls. Like that's the way he shoots. It's always an awkward stance. It's never really straight on. It's like it's just like the one that killed the Suns the last time they played him, where it was just like he rolled off a screen or whatever. He just kind of threw it up there. You know, th- those are the ones he makes. Um, but yeah, yeah he's an acrobatic. Three, he's an acrobatic three point shooter for sure. Yeah. And you brought up the Hawks, too. Who That's a team that is not a threat at all. When you looked at them in the past, you're like, no, there's no way they're going to win anything. And they got five all stars and the Suns team still is kind of they're, they're not that Atlanta Hawk team. I hope people don't think that because we're ways better than what they were. So do you remember? <laughs> yeah, we should. Do you remember all of the Hawks who made that all-star team? Um, I do. I know some of them. So it was okay. uh, uh, Paul Millsap. It was mm-hmm. um, oh, freak. I'm, Kyle Korver. Mm-hmm. It was um, freaking. I'm, I, it was a Teague. 
Teague, yep. Teague. Uh, yeah. It was... Um, oh, crap. Hold on. I think that's the only three I know. Who are the other two? Uh, Al Horford. And I think that was it. I think it was four of the starting five got in. I don't know if the so whole five four? did. Okay. The, did I, say yeah. Hor- I, think I said Horford, right? No, you said Millsap. Okay. Teague, okay. Sorry. Corver. And then it was Al Horford. I mean, that was just okay. ridiculous. And, and again, it's... I, I don't know why the Phoenix Suns – we know that Mikhail Bridges wasn't going to get there because injury replacement, because of all of the outpouring cry for DeJounte Murray, as well they should. Yeah. He's had a good but game. At, but, but at least uh, at least include Cam for the efforts he's been on, the best team, the best three-point shooter, second-best shooter in the league, best three-point shooter on the best team in the NBA. So uh, we've clearly gone way over our time talking about this this uh, <laughs> uh, subject, but it's it, – it, it's worth merit talking about the game tonight, the Phoenix suns, one fourteen, the Philadelphia 76ers one Oh nine. How did you feel Devin Booker played tonight with Matisse Thibel on him? Cause that's a guy who in the past has definitely given him problems. His length has always bothered Devin Booker. What did you see from Devin Booker tonight with Matisse Thibel on him? Uh, it just looks like the next step that Booker took this year to where Usually in these kind of games when he's playing against the tie or he can't get a shot off, which it looked like in the third quarter, he was struggling a ton to get any kind of good look. But it was only for like just a, just a second. It was just maybe for like one possession here or there. And then the next possession, he would make space. He would get to the spots. It didn't seem to bother him all game. So I know he always starts the first quarter off great, right? He only had the eight mm-hmm. points. Mikhail Bridges outscored him in the first, which is kind of crazy. But usually like the past booker might like get a little bit stumped. He might just struggle. He might get the technical. He might just, you know, kind of not give up, but get so into his head that he just cannot finish the game and help the Suns win. Like tonight, you just saw like how he can push through that. Him and Chris Paul, I feel like in the third, were really struggling to get anything off. And then of course, Chris Paul had the ins and outs, but Booker versus Thibel or anybody who was guarding him, like there was some double teams thrown at him. Mm-hmm. It was really tough for Booker, but he pushed his way through it and he got his shots off still. That's just another level he went up this year, I feel like. Yeah, uh hey dot zero's right. It's it's time to drop the BDB music. B. Dick Booker. That's what he was tonight. He was Big Dick Booker. Considering it's night two of a back-to-back and you have Matisse Thibel pestering you throughout the entire evening, he went 11 for 23 from the field. Booker ends with 35 points tonight. Just th- think about it. Last night he scored 38, and it felt like it was a much more uh, resounding 38, if you will. I think it's because 10 of his 38 or 35 points tonight came from the free throw line. Some of those in garbage time as they were just trying to foul uh, at the end of the game, playing the foul game. But still, when you are playing against Matisse Thibel and you are playing as effectively as you are, you're right. Devin Booker looked like, you know, it's another one of those dragons that he slayed. He just that's what he does. He, He goes through these little milestones throughout his entire career. And he's like, I need to slay that dragon. I need to, I need to master the three point shot. He's done that this season, you know, in years past, I need to get to an all-star game. He's, he's slayed that dragon. And one of the dragons that, you know, exists is Matisse Thibel and the defense that he's played on him. I mean, go back and watch the matchups that they had last season, especially in the clutch at the back end of a game. I think we lost a game to Philly and, uh, Matisse Thibault was a big part of in the last two or three minutes pestering Devin Booker to the point of turnovers. Whereas tonight, cerebrally, he just navigated those matchups, got to his spots, shot, made them, passed, did what he needed to do to be effective. So I really feel like 
his evolution continues to just uh, surprise and delight, if you will. Yeah, he also looked really tired in the third quarter when the when the when the Sixers went up by fourteen. I was like, oh, this might be over. Yeah, oh, the whole Booker team kind of looked that way, yeah. right? Yeah, no, they they did. They, they looked Booker, tired. Booker especially, he just had that look of just like uh, I'm kind of spent, but it didn't matter. He pushed through. He got that second win he needed. Yeah, that third quarter though, overall for the for the Phoenix Suns was kind of it had that feeling to it, right? I mean, the the mm-hmm. Philadelphia 76ers came out on a 10-0 run. The Suns looked tired. They, they they everything looked kind of in slow motion for them. They couldn't hit a shot. And ultimately they just kind of put their head down, got chippy, played physical right back with the Philadelphia 76ers and you know, behind the efforts of CP3 really started to I mean, they ended up outscoring the 76ers 28 to 25 in that quarter. Tell, tell me what you saw in that quarter. And what was the turnaround point to you? Because, I mean, they were getting technical fouls called on them. And you're like, dude, you're 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 you got it down to seven. And now you're going to technical. That's pushing it to eight. Like, come on, man, we don't need this shit. But at the same time, I feel like maybe that was what the Suns needed to kind of turn the tide. Yeah, I think so. And I think they can just afford that now. In the past, if you don't get the technical, because then we're just going to sink even lower. But now it's just like you can get the tech and you can stay, you know, level headed. I think Chris Paul helps out with that. You even saw later in the game where he kind of like told DeAndre Ayton, just a little side note, DeAndre Ayton, like, hey, just chill out. You know, you're doing good against Embiid. Don't get the technical. But um, yeah, the turnaround point, I just think it was them pushing through it because it just seemed like even Chris Paul, I mean, I mentioned earlier, I just spoiled this little hot take earlier where his, his, the balls are going in and out in the third. And I was just like, dude, this might be one of those nights where it just, they won't go down for Chris Paul. The Suns will have one of those shooting nights where Chris, where Booker might miss a shot later in the game that might help them put them over the edge against the Sixers. But it wasn't that it was just the defense continued on the other end. Uh, they found ways. I know when Embiid was out, Tobias Harris was kind of, he was kind of a, the go-to guy to kind of carry them when Embiid was out. But they kind of focus on defense and make sure the double Embiid to get the extra rebound. McGee, of course, we're probably going to do the drop with him. He mm-hmm. was really the guy that held things together for them in that second unit because really if you were thinking about the second units head-to-head going into this game, the Suns, of course, they, they had the better second unit against any team. But Correct. tonight you thought they would dominate them. I think the Sixers played a little bit better too with their second unit, but the Suns made sure that Cameron Johnson – McGee and uh, Alfred Payton, who didn't do too much, but they just kind of held their own against the Sixers team where it just seemed like in the third quarter, they were doing that until like later in the fourth where, you know, you had Embiid coming back for the Sixers and you had to put Aiden back in and Booker and Chris Paul all at the same time to come back and just kind of, you know, defend that little tiny lead that they did have in the fourth or it was probably even tied at that time. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that you know, Coach Evan B says it in the chat. He says, Sixers and the refs poked the bear, and it didn't end well. Uh, I, I like the way that you say that, Coach, because it's true. You know, it's almost like with that second team unit at the back end of the third quarter, you saw uh, the chippiness. You saw some of the fouls that that didn't really make sense. I mean, there was, there was the one play where Danny Green just gets his, his uh, pocket picked by Devin Booker. Straight takes the ball from him. He's pissed. He throws his hands up in kind of <laughs> yeah. frustration. Clocks Cam Johnson right in the face. Falls down. No call. I mean, that could be a flagrant if you go back and you review that, especially considering some of the calls received. It was. It was a flagrant foul. Nobody saw that, but Mikhail goes down the other end and lays it in. And I think that because of that, that was the catalyst to me, was that whole possession right there is like, listen, we're tired. We're beat down. You're physically beating us down. Cam Johnson's on the ground, and we're still executing on the other end. Like, 
you can't stop us. We're the Phoenix fucking Suns, man. And the second team unit, as you mentioned, the way that JaVale McGee helped hold it down, that Alfred Payton helped hold it down, you're right. He's going to get his drop tonight. Double O McGee. I mean, Eddie Johnson was saying on the broadcast, he's like, should JaVale be, McGee be considered for sixth man? I mean, they were saying no guy has averaged nine points and seven rebounds in under 20 minutes a game coming off the bench, or I think just period, since like Robert Parrish. You know, Robert fucking Parrish. Do you remember Robert Parrish? I remember him from the Bill Simmons books. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, right. Robert Parrish <laughs> That's it. played with the Celtics for all those years, you know, played for the Bulls a little bit. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he's obviously he's not going to get the sixth man of the year. I think that's going to no. go to Tyler Hero. But at the same time, like, he is been, he has been, especially during this stretch where he's going back to his role as a second uh, big man behind DeAndre Ayton, he's really been playing – with the fire and intensity and the productivity that would garner at least a little love for a six man nod. Right. Yeah. 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 And of course I, I bet you will see in the comments, just like where we're talking about the all-star game where it's like, I don't care about the all-star game. I want a championship. Like McGee just showed tonight where, you know, having him as a backup to DA is so huge because of his mm-hmm. length, the tips, he can just dominate the second unit or the, yeah, the second unit center at all times. But also when you have Aiden come out and then Embiid's still in the game, then you kind of have that overlap when, when McGee's still in there, he helps out defensively. Of course, he's not going to be as great as DA, but mm-hmm. he's pesky. He's annoying. And when he's watching his fouls, which it looked like tonight, he was, he wasn't like causing any riffraff to where he might get an extra foul in there. Cause he knew that he couldn't, he, he was, he wasn't able to get those fouls because he didn't want to miss a minute. He he wanted to be over the 20 minutes tonight, right? He wanted to play as much as he could to help the Suns win. And him overlapping with DeAndre Ayton, like that's just, it's really fun to watch that because you don't think about that really too much. Because when you're like, hey, we got a backup center, you know, that's going to play well in the playoffs against the second unit, you don't really think about him, you know, going head to head against Embiid when he has to, or else if DA is in foul trouble, then you have to have him in the game. But you see that a lot tonight. Cause of course my whole take of this whole game is just how the centers, him and DA looked against Embiid and Embiid of course can't be stopped by anybody, but I just want to see that in just like um, the Giannis game coming up in two days. Well, and it's a, it's a great point because, you know, again, there's going to be minutes, whoever you're playing, when, we're, when we play Denver potentially in the playoffs and you're going against Jokic, right? There's going to be minutes that overlap where DA's not going to be out there on Jokic. And one thing that we didn't have last year, and, and don't get me wrong, like we swept the Nuggets, but that is more because Jokic didn't have assistance than because Jokic wasn't uh, ineffective, right? But one of the things that we didn't have last year and one of the things that we have to appreciate, not only with McGee, but knowing that Bismack Biombo is back there in case any one of the two guys truly gets into foul trouble, is we truly have length behind D.A. That was one of the scary things when we played against the Lakers is once D.A. was off out of the game, you know, you, they had Andre Drummond and we'll talk about him momentarily. Uh, they had Anthony Davis. They had uh Mark Gasol last season. So when we went anytime during the season and then when the playoffs happened, anytime we went against teams that had really good depth when it comes to big men, i.e. the Bucks with Brooke Lopez and, and Giannis, we didn't have anybody like when it, it was when DA left the court, you were in survival mode inside the paint. We're not we don't have that issue anymore. 
we got JaVale McGee. I mean, you look at what he did tonight. Ended uh, the night with a total of, in 18 minutes, 7 of 13 from the field. Had 15 points and 12 rebounds. 15 and 12 from McGee. Those minutes where DA isn't on the court are no longer hallowed minutes where you're counting down to when you can bring him back in because you know you're going to get pummeled on the interior. They're minutes where you get entertained by JaVale and you get productivity from that position. And you got to think about it from the opposing standpoint. You are just constantly trying to, to survive those minutes if you're the opposition. Yeah, and that's what sucks with uh, oh, someone at your door, there, John. <laughs> no, I was just I, I I'm seeing a replay from uh, oh, the Clippers, okay. and, the Clippers and the Grizzlies game. It looks like one of the Morris guys just fucked up John ja Morant. So I hope he's okay. Oh man, he landed on he landed on his ass. They they tossed Morris oh, out of the game. What a fucking good dude. That guy yeah, is. is he the one that got injured from Jokic? Is that the one? The same no. one that doesn't matter. No, no, no. This is the Clippers one. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, what we're talking, oh, yeah. So the whole thing where the Sixers have to wait for Embiid to, to have a chance to win it, and then of course Embiid's a guy who kind of throws the ball away at the end. Like they're so they they rely on him too much, and that's where like uh, we'll talk about Aiden in a little bit, but that's where it's just like you know if Aiden doesn't have a good game offensively, even though he did decent, the stats won't look that great. But Embiid yep. is just the whole team, so they have to make sure that he comes in healthy. And in resting, uh, getting enough minutes of rest, but he still looks just so freaking tired out there in the second half. Always, like he just he's like he's like Aiden. That's I think that's where Aiden gets it from. But he's like Aiden times two out there to where he just looks so exhausted. Plus, he's like I feel like he's like twice the size of Aiden. I don't know. He's, well, he's he's also he's carrying so that team, team, man. So it's just like I know it's the possible. effort that he has to put out. You know, Joel Embiid. The Suns did as well of as you could against a potential MVP candidate. He ends the night with 34 points and 12 rebounds, 13 of 25 from the field, two of eight from beyond the arc. And I'll tell you what, I was sure glad when the Suns were up 110 to 107 that Joel Embiid tried to take a three-pointer instead of doing anything else. Because at that point, I'm like, dude, shoot threes all you all you want. Uh, he wasn't dialed in tonight. But yeah, I mean, he's carrying that team on his back, man. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Drummond tonight? Oh. Uh, I thought you were going to do a drop. Uh, yeah, so Drummond <laughs> was interesting, know. right? I mean, <laughs> Drummond just got, I mean, he was owned tonight. By How's McGee. he still McGee. in the league, man? I, I know I saw um, comments. I don't know where it was, but it's like, oh, he plays for the Sixers? Yeah, I actually did not know that either. Me neither. Game. It wasn't on the, it wasn't really anything you would you would really pay attention to going to the game who's their backup center, right? You have Embiid, and then who cares? But then when it's, when it's, when it's freaking Drummond, it's like, Oh, was that the guy I wanted the Suns to trade for last year? <laughs> and yeah, he's just I know. Getting, he's just like he can't even get off the. He can't jump over a nickel tonight. He can't do anything. Like, well, and then he get owned by McGee, who was the guy that I oh wanted my. last year. You know, so yeah, I just like no, I, I was geez, just the same thing. I'm like, I'm like, see, Matthew, I told you that we should have got Javale McGee last year because you were all about that drumming line. You were drumming yeah, the. I think the, a lot, of, a lot of people. Yeah, you know what? I I was, and uh, we don't have to. I don't. Why do I have to bring that up every time we talk about him? And that's why I wish he was out of the league so I could stop. <laughs> So you stop that take him. in my Javon Carter take just need to go away. All right. Oh, I forgot about the Javon gone. Carter take. Hey, you know mm-hmm. what? I, I miss Javon. I miss him dearly. Mm-hmm. Do you know that Chris Paul played 42 minutes tonight? What do you uh, think of that? That's freaking crazy. Um, it's nuts. But then also what last podcast I was like, I would like some rest. But then also I kind of think on the other side of the things where it's 
you know, I didn't notice him too much. You know, the 42 minutes kind of snuck up on me, like a, the Devin Booker game, the 30 plus points tonight kind of snuck up on you. Yeah. So I guess if you're looking at it that way, it's a good thing. But otherwise, on paper, it looks terrible. If the points go. I mean, he had a play like a point guard tonight. He ended yeah. with a total of 16 points. He had 12 total assists. Uh, you look at his performance in the fourth quarter tonight, always Chris Paul time, six points, three assists, two, of, and he played the entire fourth. And, you know, again, again, this is where we miss both Landry Shamit and uh, campaign. And, and those guys need to get healthy quick because this is the chapter of the season in which Chris Paul is carrying this fucking team. And we need to get him down to about 30 minutes a night uh, just to make sure that he's healthy enough for, for the playoffs. And I get he's on the vegan diet and he's doing all these things. But, you know, the more minutes you play, the more opportunity there is for something not so nice to happen. So uh, it was needed tonight. I mean, the Suns had to fight, claw and battle to get back into this one. And then ultimately, Chris Paul navigated us through, although he did have that turnover against uh, JaVale or uh, uh, Joel Embiid. It was funny. So mm-hmm. that play. I was watching it, and the you know the first thing, anytime, and you probably know the answer to this, Matthew, anytime Chris Paul has a turnover in the last two minutes of a game, and it's a close game, what do I think? I don't know. What do you where think? does my mind go? Where? What is it? I'm sorry, dude. NBA Finals. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean just <laughs> going back to last year? I just, anytime he okay. turnovers the ball, and that's instantly in that moment, like, it's a close game. I was like, yeah. oh, shit. I, I'm like, I'm like, he turned it over like he did in the NBA, fi- and then Joel Embiid threw it out of bounds. <laughs> you know? I know. <laughs> because I couldn't answer that because we were saying the same thing before the finals last year. It's just that was Chris Paul's thing is like the turnovers in crunch time when it actually matters when you have to win to move on in a series. Like that's that's where we that's what I think of all the time. Yeah, and and then it's true. You know, I mean, the way that he plays, he is the point god for a reason. God, God bless that son of a bitch. Um, let's see. Uh, let me look at my notes while I'm looking for my notes. Uh, Matthew, do you have anything in your notes that you want to talk uh, about? Just really on Chris Paul, you said a good game, but tonight, like the lobs, you know, he was thrown up there. That was like Alfred Payne-ish, like Cameron Payne-ish out there. Does it almost Alfred felt like Payne- he was hurt, right? <laughs> Alfred Payton and Cameron Payne-ish. Yeah, he was just, <laughs> he was trying to hurt somebody out there. 0 for 4 to start with the lobs. It was terrible. And yeah, like you said, that steal that could have went the other way and like led to a Sixers win, like that that wasn't that good. I, I it was a good game. He finally got a shot to go down. He finally did because it wasn't going in. It wasn't easy at first, but he he pushed his way through it. So that was good. And again, champions adjust, and that's that's championship level stuff from Chris Paul. So you go. I just need one more minute of your time. Being at a basketball game is such a rush. Screaming at the top of your lungs, high-fiving the person next to you, enjoying that last shot by the Suns. There's no better feeling than that instant camaraderie you get with thousands of other Suns fans at a stadium. We at brightsideofthesun.com and the Solar Panel Podcast are proud to give that game time experience to new fans every year. We call it Brightside Night. We donate game tickets to targeted groups around the Valley who've never had a live game experience. Over the past five years, that's been underprivileged kids. We've sent over 10,000. This year, we're focusing on healthcare heroes and first responders who've put their lives on the line to save others. Now, we want to give back to them. Let's thank them with tickets to the February 16th Suns Rockets game. All it costs you is 11 bucks. What you get out of it is not only the satisfaction of helping somebody, but also 
of getting something for yourself. You are either in a raffle at the very least, or you get gifts, you get goods, you get tickets, whatever it is. You make a donation, you also get something out of it. Go to sons.com slash brightside. That's sons.com slash brightside. Brightside's one word. Make your donation now. It only takes a couple of minutes and you're not even going to miss the money. That's one of the proudest accomplishments of my life to do this. And I hope it's going to be one of yours too. That's contributing to Brightside Night is a huge deal. That's sons.com slash brightside. Yeah, so we have just of uh, over a week, or just under a week, just over a week, until that game. So again, Jamsters, if you want to help out Dave King and Bright Side of the Sun for Bright Side Night, please visit suns.com slash bright side. Uh, shout out in the chat to Al Gaudet, one of my old battle buddies from uh, the National Guard. He said, this is my last comment. Can you give a quick shout out to my son, William Dellinger? Thanks, guys. You're the best. He shares it with all of his friends. Uh, shout out to Will and shout out to Al. Thanks for watching. We truly appreciate it. Uh, a lot of people are talking in the chat about one guy who, uh, you know, it was a little homecoming for this dude. The Mikhail Bridges returns home to Philadelphia playing the, the team that originally drafted him, went nine for 14 from the field, 23 points for uh, the warden. He had a block. He had four rebounds. He had two assists. Uh, did you see how his like entire crew was almost right behind the bench and he'd make a shot and he'd turn and he'd point to a wall? <laughs> it was that way, you know, I saw the crew thing in the in the note or the comments over here, but I didn't notice it in the game. I'm just I'm that oblivious to things. Um, but I saw him looking at the bench at a lot a lot of times after making a shot. He was super angry tonight and like just you know, the good kind of angry, just explosive after every shot he made, after every big play, even the left-handed dunk. So I guess yeah. it makes sense where he was looking the whole time. I, th- I was like, that was too much love for the, his own bench, I felt like. <laughs> no, man. I mean, in West Philadelphia, born and raised, Mikhail Bridges, that's, he spent most of his days chilling out, Max, and relaxing all, going out, shooting some b-ball, and schooling all the top of guys. That's a good Started making trouble in his neighborhood. He got in one little fight, and then he got traded to Phoenix, and then we've been reaping the benefits ever since <laughs> oh, so remix. bam right. remix oh. remix have you seen how on the peacock they're gonna have a new show called bel air and it's, it's yeah i've you, seen that have you seen that I, it's supposed I, yeah, to be a dramatic anymore, though no I, I don't watch but i do see commercials and snl made fun of it essentially they <laughs> did a sketch that said you know now we're taking your favorite 90s shows and turning them into dramas and then they did this whole thing on uh family matters and you know steve urkel and you know, it's just, <laughs> no, it, it's, just it's just it's funny. I I, I still watch uh, SNL more than anybody ever should because it's been trash for a long time. <laughs> but these past about Keep six episodes, it, past six episodes have been really funny. They've finally kind of, finally kind of let go of the political humor and they're just going back to funny shit. And it's been nice to see. Oh, good. Sorry. Sorry, folks. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Mikhail Bridges, fantastic evening tonight. Again, displaying his versatility, getting back up over that 20 point threshold. Uh, I wonder how many times this season he's actually scored over 20 points. Cause I know he had a little run where he had three consecutive games over 20 points. Then he had like 12, you know, so uh, then he dropped like 15 the next night, but let's see total points for Mikhail over 20 points this season. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So this is the ninth time that he's done it. Uh, that tells me he's just been a lot more consistent this season. That's the most he's obviously had in his entire career. 
but again, I, I just I love to see the, his offensive growth and knowing that he was doing it in front of the whole, whole home crowd. Just you knew he was going to come in with a little more effort tonight. Yeah, Mr. Papa shot out there. It was really easy for him. A lot of floaters in this game from him. And I feel like yeah. a lot of floaters out there from everybody tonight. You know, this everyone was just taking a deuce out there. <laughs> Dropping deuces all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh the other guy a lot of answers would mention in the ch- in the chat. And you know, shame on us. We didn't mention him last night. And, and it's a guy we don't talk about too often. I, I feel like he's one of the ultimate X factors. He's a guy who doesn't even have a drop on our show, which Crowder. Yeah, it's a shame. Jay Crowder. I mean, he's just your perfect glue guy. You know, you look at what he did tonight, right? 0 for 6 from the field, 0 points. But he had 14 total rebounds and was Ding up Joel Embiid. Him and Aiton, you look at their box scores, and you're not overly impressed. I mean, Aiton went for 10 and 6 tonight. But they have to take on the brunt of trying to guard Joel Embiid. So guess what? They're going to have to play different roles in an effort for the Phoenix Suns to be successful. The Phoenix Suns were successful. Jay Crowder had a fat zero, but he had 14 boards a season high. Yeah, and he also had probably the biggest play of the game where um, Chris Paul missed a free throw. He got the steal and then passed it back out to Chris Paul, hit a three, and they went up by five or by up by four. But then, of course, Seth Curry hit the three on the other end. But that was a momentum builder right there. But his defense on um, Embiid was of course, you can't guard him, but when he was switched up on him, he's a big enough body to make it kind of uh, make Embiid try a little bit harder. And then when he has the help, when oh my God, when he has motherfucking help from somebody oh. else like a Mikhail Bridges or anybody to come over and help him with the double team, then it makes sense. Like he can just stand his ground for the time being until he can get some help over there. Well, yeah, he's a guy who's not easily moved off of his spot. And that's what makes Jay a. Uh, valuable asset especially when I mean we saw it last year in the playoffs you know outside of Giannis who just went through everybody and everything you know Jay was a big part of that Lakers series Jay was a big part of both the Clippers and the Nuggets series as well because he's not a guy who you could just throw away he's a guy who's going to be a pest defensively he's going to be he's going to uh, bother you emotionally you know you know that he's going to get inside your head a little bit and he jay was doing jay things tonight and again uh we don't give him enough love here on the sun's jam session podcast in in my mind you know he's almost like an untouchable player uh he definitely isn't when it comes to the roster but he's a guy who just is unbelievably valuable to the success of this team because, you know, you look at all these trade scenarios and, and we'll talk about some of the trades that happened earlier today, but you look at all these trade scenarios uh, that Suns fans are dreaming up and, you know, ourselves included. And a lot of them are like, well, if you bring X player to the Suns, you will get the same result that they provided in the environment they came from. And that's not always plausible because you have to fit into your role and know your role, Jabroni. And that's what allows the team to be successful. That's what makes the Phoenix Suns. And again, it's why it bothers me what Shaq says, you know, that there's no one to be afraid of on the Suns. It's like, yeah, but you should be afraid of the entire thing because we're going to cut you to, to, you know, we're not going to take one sword and cut you. We're going to hit you with a million little knives and slowly bleed you out. And that's even more painful. Yeah, and the worst part is he said that the Suns can be punked. You can punk. How the hell has anybody ever punked this? 
who the hell are you punking on this team? Maybe Chris Paul, when he used to play for the Clippers, when they had like to call the police because they were in a fight with whoever they were playing. Remember that one time in the locker room where they had to like <laughs> they were using like the back uh, the back yeah, hallways the or something to come into the Clippers locker room. They're going to call the police. Like that yeah. was stupid. Maybe that's the thing he was referencing. Um, but I mean, when you're talking about Jay Crowder, he's my favorite 04 guy ever. He is like you when you look at his stat sheet, 0 for six, 0 for five, yeah. and three, and then you're just like, oh, 14 boards, and then like the biggest steal the game like that's yeah. why you need him still in the starting lineup and just to carry you to the end of games dude i hear you 120 percent mm-hmm. bubs i mean that's what it's all about uh coach evan b did you see marcus morris take out morant and get ejected yeesh yeah i actually commented i was while we were doing the pod i actually saw that i uh mm. zero. he's a big dummy coach fallen founder death by a thousand cunt cut <laughs> oh Cuts. careful there Cuts. dude <laughs> All right, nephew Kyle's cut that. All right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nephew, nephew Kyle, can you turn off the camera and and cut <laughs> that one right there? Yeah, and Freddie May uh, Ramon said Shaq was talking about DA. You know what? I was pulling into my parking garage at work, and I just heard the. And he might have mentioned DA in there, but he just said the Suns can be punked. So that's what and I the big and the big Warhot Shaq is a moron. LOL. Agreed. Agreed on all things. Uh, but uh, we should probably get to some sort of drop. <laughs> Jam star of the game. All right, jamsters, let us know in the chat who your jam star of the game is. If you're listening to the podcast, please, this is a good time. Just pull out your phone, you know, scroll to the pods, find the Sun's Jam Session podcast, give us one of those little five star reviews, and then from there, actually write a review if you're on Apple Podcasts and just let us know what you think of the pod. And we'll read it right here on the show. Matthew, who's your jam star of the game? Uh, I'm going to go Devin Booker, um, obviously, because last night I picked Alfred Payton over him, so I thought it went to Booker to pick him tonight. But a little shout-out just to DeAndre Ayton's defense. There were times where he actually looked really good defensively, and we didn't. I don't think we really even talked about him, but um, I just thought defensively he looked pretty good against Embiid, that he did the most he could. He got a little bit physical towards the end. Um, but, yeah, it's going to go to Book, even though there's – dude, there's some – there's a bunch of players right now I could choose from, I feel like, but I'm just going to choose Book. Yep, the majority of our Jamsters are saying Devin Booker, uh, Crazy Luigi, quite a few guys can fit at this time. Devin, CP3, Mikhail, JaVale, uh, Jay, uh, you know, Monty Williams, is, so that's who Crazy Luigi gave mm-hmm. it to. A lot of people are giving it to D-Book, and, and, you know, that's kind of where I'm living, too. The 35 points, he did so in an efficient manner that was kind of low-key, you know. Uh, I really think that the way that he, he played – again tonight is just showcasing to the world that, you know, he's an all-star. And I'm trying to think of what I saw on Twitter, but somebody, it might've been Shaq actually. He said something about, Oh, I don't remember. I don't want enough of the Shaq uh, slander, if you will. I'll just let it go. I'm going to get, I'm definitely going to give it to, to uh, Devin Booker. One of my favorite moments of the game. Did you see who was sitting courtside in Philly? That CBD? was it AI. I heard on the radio it was AI. Yeah. Allen Iverson, man. I am a massive Allen Iverson fan. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, if you were to asking me who my favorite players were, uh, I loved Michael Jordan, man. I loved Michael Jordan. I loved Kevin Johnson. Uh, I loved Reggie Miller. And then when that era kind of said it, those, those were the, ki- the the guys who I loved growing up. When I was about eighteen years old. Uh, it was Allen Iverson. You know, that was like the year 2000. I turned 18. And from, I mean, Allen Iverson was just something different. And he was, he was just unbelievably fantastic. Uh, and then it kind of morphed into Sean Marion. And then it was Sean Marion for the longest time. And, 
you know, I couldn't even tell you who my favorite player in the NBA is now. It's probably Devin Booker, but uh, just seeing AI sit and AI looked baked, by the way, man. He was eating some food. He, <laughs> he looked like he was having a good old time. Oh, that's good, awesome. Good on you, Allen Iverson. Uh, yeah. You know? No, good. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. I mean, yeah, good for you for being baked. Who are we talking about, Allen Iverson? <laughs> Allen <laughs> Iverson, dude. Allen Iverson. Thoughts. Um, brains. All right, you know what? Um, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. We talked about a couple trades that occurred today. Was a big day for trades, big time day. Uh, we'll we'll start with uh the the big one, if you will. I mean, there was there was really two big ones, but we'll start with the one that kind of broke early, and that was the New Orleans Pelicans trading away. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Thomas Sadoransky, Didi Luazadada, uh, 2022 first-round pick that's protected, and two second-round picks. And my boy, Josh Hart, traded from the Pelicans to the Trailblazers, who gave up C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell. What the ever-loving God are the Blazers doing? What the hell? In the past week, they've gotten rid of Norman Powell, Rocco, Larry Nance, and CJ McCollum, and Tony Snell. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. Yeah, it's rebuild mode. I I honestly think that, I mean, when Lillard talks about not coming back this year, it's going to obviously make them think, like, we got to, you know, just rebuild. I don't know if they're going to keep Lillard or whatever, but CJ had to go. I mean, we talked about it many times, like, He's one one guy that always talked always talked about as a guy to be traded, and it had to happen. I feel like this year, just because of the injury to Lillard, him not coming back, the way they've just been tanking or whatever. See, this is why I don't use ESPN.com because the fucking videos keep coming on. All right. Well, <laughs> well do you know what? So, so life hack, Matthew. If you what? right if you right click on the tab, there you can go yeah. down. It says mute site, and it will always well, be muted. I'm good. Yeah, so um, anyways, McCollum, sorry about that, guys. Um, McCollum, I kind of like what's, what's going on with New Orleans. I'm actually excited for them because, of I course. mean, and it's the Suns are going to trade Aiden for Zion. I want Zion to stay with the Pelicans. Hopefully they change their name and all that shit. But it's a perfect guy to sit next to um, Zion if Zion's coming back. I guess there's rumblings about him maybe coming back this year, and they can be in the play-in. CJ has a chance to make, make the playoffs with them. But I just like splitting up those two in Portland. I think it's about time. We talked it, about it. Every true. time we play Portland, we're like, I'm so sick of seeing this team together. I'm sick of seeing Lillard and McCollum. So th- it's about time. It's just, it just had to happen this year, and finally they pulled the string. So essentially, you know, when Zion does come back, the Pelicans will have a big three of Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and CJ McCollum. You know, that's that's a lot of offense. Uh, not a lot of defense, but definitely a lot of offense. So I almost feel like the Pelicans are going to kind of become a Blazers-esque team that really has a lot of offense but can't play defense. But they don't care because at least when you have a lot of offense, you can at least win games and get to the playoffs. So I definitely understand that. The other side of the coin, obviously, the Blazers have dumped uh, a ton of money Uh the way that Woj put it today says Portland's plan is to fully reshape the roster around Damian Lillard. Portland created a $21 million trade exception today, potentially 60 million in salary cap space this summer, multiple drafts, draft picks and assets via Pels and Clippers trades plan is to pursue high end talent. Now not retreat. So that's what they're doing. They're saying, fuck this season. We're wiping the slate clean. We're going to do everything we can 
And we've taken all of these little pieces that we've added to the puzzle throughout the years around Dame that ultimately haven't been successful. And we're just going to wipe the the slate clean. We're going to allow Dame to get healthy and we're going to have picks, money, and we're going to go after somebody this offseason. What's unfortunate for the, the Blazers, in my opinion, is this upcoming free agent class isn't really a good one. You know, I think that I, I've heard it in a couple different places. And as I as I go to uh, Spot Track, Spot Track, I think that's what it is. Um, they let's see here, team salary caps. They typically will have like the the free agent tracker for the next season. Um, and I, I, I want to come up with a list of those those uh, upcoming free agents next season. So 2022 is the year. See what it says here. Sorry, I should have done this before. So, so here's a list of NBA free free agents upcoming. Um, no one. There's absolutely no one. So no one is going to be in NBA. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm sorry. So John Wall will be uh, a free agent, but he has you know so these first guys I'm going to name all have player options. John Wall, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving. All of them are guys who sound old as shit and all have player options. Bradley Beal was just announced today that he's out for the season. Uh, Then after that, Gary Harris, Zach Levine, Goran Dragic, Ricky Rubio, Andre uh, Andre Iguodala, Thaddeus Young, Pat Bev. I mean, this is not a huge free agent class. So do you feel like the, the Pacers are doing this at the right time? The Pacers are the, you mean the Blazers? I, I, I'm sorry, the Blazers. Yeah. Pacers is our next topic. Um, I think well, the way I always look at this is like you just have to get things done right away. I I honestly think like when you look too far in the future, like the Suns did always in the past few seasons before we got Chris Paul's like, oh, let's wait till this summer. Oh, this summer they'll look at this guy's coming out. I think you just gotta you gotta be active. You gotta make sure that you're doing the right thing for the franchise. And if you want to keep Lillard, it makes sense to have, like you said, a fresh slate, a clean, a clean slate, whatever the fuck you say. <laughs> what is my problem? I do I'm cursing a lot, but um, yeah, yeah. So you have to do because I don't know, man. It's the, it's the num num juice. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. I just honestly think that you know you don't want him to leave. You don't want him to go somewhere new, somewhere fresh. You got to bring the fresh to him, right? So they can, they That's can what do trying, that. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, and I don't like to look at the free agents too much just because things just happen so random in the NBA where like the trade will happen or else um, you know, just a random trade that will happen. You'll be like, Oh, I didn't know I didn't see that guy going there. So you just never know what you can get, right? I just I think that you just have True. to do it right now. True. And you know, again, with all this money that they're freeing up, but again, the disadvantage of all this money that they're freeing up is they don't necessarily have tradable assets. You know, it's not like Josh Hart becomes a huge tradable asset, although him coupled with a couple guys, uh, but he's not guaranteed to next season. I just, I'm interested to see what the Blazers do. And you're right. The, the best yeah. thing you can do in, in this world, whether you're an NBA GM or you're just somebody who's trying to navigate a job is give yourself options. It's when you don't have options that people feel trapped, right? The Blazers are trying to give themselves yeah. as much options as possible. I just am interested to see what the fruit of those options will be. It'll be definitely something that will be of great interest moving forward because of the number of talented guys they gave away. Uh, but the Bla- or the Pelicans, Pelicans obviously look fantastic now. Yeah, no, I'm excited for them. Offen- offensively, not defensively. Yeah. Okay, the other big trade um, we can put to rest all this the. Uh, huge head Saboner talk. 
Pacers <laughs> traded DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday to the Sacramento Kings for Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson, and Tyrese Halliburton. What the fuck? <laughs> I know, man. What the fuck? I couldn't. Usually, like, when these things happen, and yeah, Bill Simmons on the podcast would be like, oh, it was a big mistake. Usually, you try to find the good out of it. But I just, I don't really, because you just got back from going to the Kings game, and you said everyone yes. was wearing Halliburton jerseys. Yes. That was Julio the guy was wearing to, it. Yeah, that was the guy you want to build around. But then all of a sudden, you get Sabonis, of course, right now in his career. We'll have the better season next year and finish out this year. Statistically, next year, he can maybe make an all-star team. But Halliburton's just a guy you want to build around. I, I just don't understand how you couldn't get rid of Fox. Is it because you already paid him and then they just can't, they don't want to take that contract or whatever? It, that's probably the reasoning. But then you don't give up Halliburton just to get a name, just to switch things around. Like you're just making things more difficult for your franchise. I feel like it's like we know you suck already, but you have one piece, Halliburton, that everybody loves including your fans, and you just get rid of them. So I never found a good – I couldn't think of anything good that came out of this for the Kings, except for Pacers did good. Pacers did really well. I yeah, think. you know, Pacers fleeced them in this deal because, you know, one, you're you're right. Uh, Halliburton is – I'm not too far. I'm 20 minutes from downtown Sacramento right now. I went to the Kings game last week. I got experience uh, the, the Kings culture or whatever it is there, uh, and everybody was wearing Halliburton jerseys. That fan base is all about Tyrus Halliburton right now because he's the new hope. Because De'Aaron Fox has let them down. Because De'Aaron Fox can't shoot. It's because De'Aaron Fox can't execute in the clutch time moments. Uh, he's like a, a Russell Westbrook who you can't count on when when you need to count on somebody. Whereas Tyrus yeah. Halliburton hasn't made all those mistakes yet. He's a fantastic playmaker. He can shoot the ball, and he's exciting to watch. So everybody in Sacramento is super hyped on this guy. And Haydot Zero is right. So the Kings have too many guards. And that's something that I said this past draft when they draft Davion Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell's brother. That was an interesting first-round pick, in my opinion, because I'm like, well, you already have a loaded backcourt because you have Buddy Heald, you have De'Aaron Fox, you have Tyrese Halliburton, you have now uh, Davion Mitchell. Uh, those guys are going to be competing for starting time. You can't tell me after everything's said and done that their end goal was, yep, after evaluating everything, Tyrese Halliburton is what we have to get rid of. I get that they're bringing in DeMontis Sabonis. I get that they're bringing in Justin Holiday. Those are two quality players. I don't know why you would give away Tyrese Halliburton. And, you know, that's good for us as Suns fans because we'll only see him twice a year and have to be yes. reminded, well, James Jones took uh, Jalen Smith over him, you know, versus seeing him four times a year. Uh, and we'll see in the long run if this works out. You know, now we're going to have to see big-headed Sabonis a lot more because he's going to be inside the Pacific Division. Uh, but it's, we knew that the Kings needed to make a change. We knew that the Pacers were in the middle of a fire sale. I didn't think that it would equate to Tyrus Halliburton being the price. Uh, again, time will tell, and I can't wait to hear what Bill Simmons has to say about this because he loves he loves Halliburton. Yeah, yeah, and no, I already listened to it. Um, and also, oh, so you, you already listened to it. Yeah, he brought up this part too, Bucky the Beaver. Yeah, he released an early pot today. Uh, do you think oh. the Sixers turned down Halliburton for Simmons? That was always when Simmons went through what he went through in the beginning of the season. That was one of the things where I think it was released that they were looking into it. And you know what? I, 
I mean, if they would have got Simmons for Halliburton, I think that would make a hell of a lot more sense than what they did for him. But I don't think Simmons wanted to go to the Kings. No, 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 sway, right? No, no, no. He has zero sway. Ben Simmons has zero fucking input on where he goes. That's a fact. There's no way Daryl Morey is going to do him any favors. It's all about maximizing the assets that you can get for him. And I think that the Kings weren't willing to give up Halliburton because I think it was probably like a Halliburton combo with Fox or something. They wanted mm-hmm. that plus draft picks. They don't care where Bear Simmons, Ben Simmons wants to go. If Daryl Morey could, he'd probably ship him to Siberia or China, but he's got bad relations with China right now, so he can't even do that. He wants to do that, do no favors. But I do think that the Simmons for Harden rumors, I wouldn't doubt that going down in the next 24 hours, man. Especially seeing the Nets happen. play as shitty as they did tonight. You know the Nets are just like, dude, they got to do something. They're done. They're done That's unless they make a deal. It doesn't work out. But yeah, and also, I mean, if... What a great if, statement that was. If Buddy Heald would have went to... um Would have been traded to the Sixers with Tyrese Halliburton, like, fuck, dude, that team... That I mean, to have Buddy Hilde in there, I know that's a big contract, but you just need him for this one year to try to win the championship. They would have pulled the strings, and I, I know the whole sway thing. I just, I kind of just threw it out there. I just, I don't know why they wouldn't pull the trigger on that one. I think it's because the Kings didn't want to pull the trigger, and now the Kings are at a point where they're like, listen, we can, we're, we're hitting the trade deadline. The mm-hmm. the Simmons conversation is gone, so. We know the Pacers are doing a fire sale. We can bring in a defensive Stallworth and Justin Holiday, and we can bring in DeMontis Sabonis, who is a quality center. I just thought it would have like more of a Harrison Barnes appeal or something. I feel like Barnes being a part of that deal would have made sense to me. Halliburton, again, your your top playmaker, a young guy. You know, I just I don't see it, but you know what? It's not for me to see. So yeah. he was your Booker, I feel like too, kind of a yeah. you know, just a late pick. Everyone loved yeah. always on the podcast, blooming. Well, and, and, you know, you look at all the words and one, one thing that's very interesting is like you go to uh, King's Reddit and I mean, they're obviously just, they've lost their fucking mind, you know, and, and one of uh, somebody on King's Reddit posted, I'm a, something that Tyrese Halliburton has said, I'm a member of the Sacramento Kings, so I'm going to help fix this. I'm going to be here and we're going to make it work. I promise that that's like a yeah, Devin Booker too. type of statement, right? <clears throat> that's what I'm saying. Uh, he, he's comparable, not the same game, but comparable. No, but the attitude. He, he's on a shitty team and he wants to make it better. And now, I mean, he's on a shitty team. It's just in Indiana now, which ugh, gross. But again, he went to, I think, did he, where'd he go? Iowa State? He, he's used to the yeah. West. Yeah. So, um, obviously, a lot more to come this week. The, the Phoenix Suns play at home against the Milwaukee Bucks, who are currently up 10 points on the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, that'll be on Thursday. If there is any trades that go down tomorrow relative to the Phoenix Suns, you can expect the, the Suns Jam Session podcast to have a jort a jam session short where matthew and i hop on for about 10 minutes and talk about a trade if it does occur uh if not the trade deadline is on thursday so we'll be talking more trades at the back end of that podcast or maybe the front end of that podcast uh, as the phoenix suns take on the milwaukee bucks for the first time since game six of the nba finals remember to please subscribe rate review if you're watching along live please hit that thumbs up button if you're watching on youtube or uh, Facebook, head over, or I'm sorry, Facebook or Twitter, head over to YouTube, give us a thumbs up and subscribe there. Again, uh, we appreciate everyone taking some time to hanging out with us. Follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. You can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew. Matthew and we'll see you on Thursday, if not sooner, based on whatever the Suns do in the next 24 hours. Yeah, we'll see you later. I'm gonna go home and love your family. <laughs>